Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pilates Mom podcast, kicking off some new material for 2022. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Elver Peruzzo, who is a lifelong educator with a very impressive background. And we are going to be chatting about our opinions of online learning <laughs> and where the pandemic has unfortunately brought our children. Uh, so first, Elver, thank you for talking with me. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about your background. So you were a teacher, a principal, principal at a NATO school in the Netherlands. Right. You're also a published author. Right. Um, but right. then you continue to teach at the college university level. Oh, yeah. Anything else you'd like to share from your lifelong journey as a teacher and educator? In addition to that, I also developed additional qualifications for teachers and worked at the University of Windsor uh, for a period of about nine years in, in uh, helping develop those courses uh, at a section called the Center for um, Education and Professional Development. Anyway, that's you've mentioned it already, so okay, great. Go ahead. Uh, so Elver is also um, the grandfather to my three children. We are very blessed to have them in our lives. Great so kids. Not only has he seen, um, you know, through the media and through peers and fellow teachers that he still is in contact with, but he's also seen firsthand through the eyes of the children because they helped me um, during the last lockdown when the kids were online. So what is your opinion on children doing this online learning versus being in the classroom? Oh, yes. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, as an educator, I see that it's very important for children to be face-to-face -face with their teachers, to be able to socialize, and that is part of growing up. Um, in, in conjunction with what the doctors are saying, including doctors from sick kids and everyone that has advised our government, they want these children back in the classroom. So what I see most of all when children are in the classroom, they are able to be self-motivated and the teacher is an instant motivator for them. So the teacher observes what the students are doing can check their work on the spot, can make uh, suggestions and help them if there, are, if there are some struggles, and also prepare uh, better strategies for them to improve. Contra contrary to that, however, if they are online, the teacher does not have that instant access to assist the students in the classroom. And sometimes the students are relying on older siblings or sometimes on parents to uh, do the work for them. And when that happens, that is not a true reflection of the stage of ability of each of the students. So in the classroom, not only are they able to work face-to-face -face with groups, which is the socialization, but also to work with the teacher uh, to see uh, what points that they are uh, struggling with and how they can be improved. Yes, definitely. And that's um, a perfect example is my middle son, Jack, as you know, who has really um, struggled throughout this online journey. And really for my two youngest, their whole school experience from JKSK has been partially wearing a mask, partially being online. Um, and I really feel like it was, you know, it was somewhat traumatizing to him. And he is a child that will completely shut his camera off 
and he does not want to be seen. He does not want to participate, um, which makes that even harder on the teacher. Exactly. I do know that when students get face-to-face -face encouragement and get feedback from the teacher, once, once uh, work is uh, handed in and the teacher says, good job, is, uh, or here's how we can improve, and then the, the child then is more reassured in moving forward with uh, the understanding of whatever concept uh, is taught. Uh, over a screen, you do not have that direct, um, that, that direct uh, motivation for the student to really think that he's accomplished something. Yes, definitely. Um, thinking back, this just kind of came to me to like over three years ago, if you remember, we had made a poster. Mm -hmm. I think you helped the kids finish it when the teachers were on strike. Mm -hmm. And the poster read, we need teacher time, not screen time. And we went out and we stood and we protested to support the teachers. So I just want to make it clear that this is in no way, you know, against the teachers or their abilities in any no. way. No. Um, do you think that it is a coincidence at all that the government was pushing for online learning, and then once this pandemic hit, here we are kind of being forced into online learning. Well, that's probably a political question. Um, there is underlying um, budget that comes into play when we talk about that. I think the government is looking at how to save more money, and you don't save money by hiring more teachers. So online learning in, <clears throat> is the opinion by teacher unions that the government is trying to reduce uh, the teaching staff. So if, once they do that, you're, you run into a situation where some boards are, at this time with the pandemic, are having students being taught face-to-face, -face, and at the same time there's a, t a television behind them that um, uh, the people who are, the students that are at home can now watch the teacher teach in class. That is a tremendous uh, responsibility on the part of the teacher, and it affects teaching because the teacher has to worry about the technology behind him or her, whether the students online are getting what she or he is saying in the classroom. Um, also, it, it imposes on the teacher's ability to run the class because there is always this element of, of, of a fear factor that's, that they are being watched. Uh, so a student is on TV and then maybe in the background the parents are watching. So what I mean by that is if a teacher needs to impose some discipline, the teacher then is hesitant to impose the appropriate discipline for fear that uh, someone watching may think that it is inappropriate. And that is the problem with online teaching too. You have, we mentioned about the fact that the teachers are there to help uh, support the learning, but the teachers are also there to make sure that the behavior is positive and not an impacting uh, negative behavior on the class. And the teacher then has the responsibility of positive reinforcement to, to you know, to promote the, the consequences like a timeout, for example. So the teacher is really, really um, in a difficult position when that happens. Yes, that's uh, very interesting. As a parent, I've never thought of it from the teacher's point of view. I mean, I've definitely 
have caught myself disciplining my children in my own house. And then right away I was like, oh my God, is your microphone on? Um, So I appreciate that from within my own household. On the flip side, um, let's talk more to, so as someone that has worked as an educator in development of teachers, um, do you feel that there needs to be a shift now for teachers, something that would include an online, um, you know, component? Or would we rather just see this online go away? Like, what do you think we should be doing to maybe help the teachers deal with this more so? Well, I think the, um, the government is already proposing at the secondary level to build at least four courses that are going to be online. And that, as I said before, that's a strategy to, um, in the budget sense, to save money. Um, some people would argue that it doesn't, but um, why are they moving in that direction? So they are imposing that at the secondary level. At the elementary level, um, I think that it is uh, works positively um, in terms of technology when uh, teachers are not in a position to get around to every student, let's say, during the day. If the teacher chooses, and that's only an if, uh, the teacher may wish to use the online to reinforce, with parent permission, um, a concern or um, a, a further adjustment to what the teaching has been uh, done at, at, during the day, and inform the, the, the student at home that this is what uh, can be done further. So online can be used as a reinforcement, uh, but and in the classroom they're already using all kinds of technology anyway, uh, when you're building resources, etc., or moving into resources. But the teacher, it's a communication tool after the school day, if it is appropriate to do so, to contact parents and visually show parents, if, if necessary, uh, what has been, doing, what has been uh, taught and how it's been taught and what can be done to help even further. Now, that's easy to say. It's difficult to do because the teacher also has personal life and at the end of the day or uh, further to the day, if there are parent conferences, that's fine. But, you know, I don't think that there are many teachers that want to continue teaching in the evening, you know, right. when, yeah. when, uh, when something has gone amiss during the day. But there are some points where this could be easily resolved. That's okay. It's, it's reality. There's a phone in the background. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what about um, the children and how they have been assessed? So like prior to this pandemic, we had um, certain marking systems in place, for example. Um, how do you think that should possibly be looked at or maybe shifted? Like I'm thinking now of my younger kids who I feel like all of those grades are to a certain extent, they're all behind. They are. Um, and then some of them are struggling. Like I would say my son is somewhat struggling to be at grade level. Um, so how do you feel like that should change going forward as far as maybe having a different way of assessing or, um, you know, grading children? Well, that would be up to the, uh, up to the Ministry of Education who has organized report cards and... Um, what needs to be reported in the report card, whether it's a letter grade in elementary or a numerical grade in secondary. Your question refers to how do you come up with that grade and what you, should you do? In these times when students may be behind, 
um, maybe there should be a, a further look at anecdotal reporting, although that's an, a burden on the teachers as well, because the teachers do have to script some of the um, reasons for giving the grade for each subject area. But as you remember, in, in uh, kindergarten, there's an anecdotal report. So if we take our, 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 your son, my grandson, Jack, Instead of giving Jack an R, or um, because he hasn't reached, let's say, the ability of the grade one performance, I think he has. You know, there are various letter grades for it. But if, like in my daughter's case, who teaches online, she reports that she has to give eight R's uh, or a lot of I's for incomplete because these students are just not handing the things in, nor are they uh, the type of students who are uh, capable of doing online work independently, nor do they care to go online. So anecdotally, the teacher then would talk about Jack, how he's progressing very well, what are the next steps that he, they need to do, which is something that is done in a report card, but it's done in a very small box, right? That you are just using some statements. So I think, yes, uh, you have a point. The assessment procedure, especially over these two years, and maybe the, you know, some of this year for sure, has to be looked at fairly. So if there is an expectation at every grade level to reach this level in order to, uh, you know, get a level two or a level three, uh, or, or for that matter, a level four, maybe those expectations need to be lowered to see where the majority of these students are right now mm -hmm. after what they've been through. Yes. So I think that, but that takes a lot of reflection on the people at the head of education, the Ministry of Education, who consult with uh, all kinds of teachers and all kinds of consultants and come up with, uh, you know, a better assessment for what has happened during this, these times where students are behind. And where do you see, um, like, as far as the future of our children and just their basic knowledge, like, I find that even as an adult with technology, people don't read and write the same way. And especially I'm thinking of our younger children and their ability to spell, for example, because the technology is always auto-correcting or they just, you know, they don't have to think for themselves anymore. So how do you think that is going to change, uh, you know, maybe the way they even approach university or say writing papers like do you have any comments to that or yeah, as far as just well, generic spelling and writing goes well i think they have to go back to the old ways uh honestly i am i mean my, i i grew up in the old ways and i i've looked at whole language now remember that whole language used to be we're teaching the, the, the children from a literature-based piece of work, and from there we're going to develop some science and some math and some spelling, but we're only going to concentrate on those words, sounds that occur often in that literature piece. That's the whole language. We've moved away from that. We need to bring back the spellers. And, and, um, and you know, um, I know it's not motivational, but I think that's the way that they learn how to spell without dependence on... Uh, you know, on technology to spell check. And, some, and spell check is not always correct either, given the context, right? So I think that traditionally they have to look at that in the same manner that they brought back multiplications. 
Multiplications were not re as reinforced previously in math, and they've come back to that. So I think they have to come back to the spelling again, and then this, that word in a context in order to make sense. It's the old way of teaching, but I would never give up on that. Otherwise, people will not learn how to spell independently. And, uh, and you know, English is probably the most difficult, I would say, and I speak other languages, English is not the most, but it is a difficult language to spell and to write properly. It's easy to speak and to learn, but not to spell. Yes. Right? yes. So there's my point. Go back to the old days, Go said the, the old days. man. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Elver, for chatting with me, for sharing your opinion and your passion, yeah. and of yeah. course, for loving my children and helping us out Always. through this whole experience. Always. All right. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>